Folks, there's a lot to be excited about right now. We got baseball season officially underway. The greatest wiffle ball documentary in the history of mankind just released, and the MLW season is only weeks away. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Jack, how we doing? Doing well. Happy to be back. Another week on the pod. Um, spent my weekend watching the Masters, uh, as well as just you know dreaming about the MLW season getting underway. After watching the the terrific documentary that was put out on Friday. Oh my goodness, what what a weekend! So great to see that debut. And yeah, Masters was cool as well. But I uh, I spent a lot of time watching baseball. Um, but it's always good to check in. I think I don't know what I enjoy more about this podcast, given the classic rundown and then the this is the pipe of the podcast part. Or I don't like Jack. How we doing? That's <laughs> That's, that's a close <laughs> Checking in with Jack. Because, guys, me and Jack, Always. yeah, we text sporadically, but we really don't. This is when we talk. This is our talking time. But Absolutely. Also with us this evening is the uh, creator of the latest documentary. You guys might know who he is. His name's Kyle Schultz. Kyle, how we doing? Doing great. Thanks, Tom, oh, for having me. What's up, Jack? Hey, happy to have you on, Kamesh. I know. It's always great to be on. I've dreamt of this day the past six or seven weeks, grinding out that doc. I'm like... I just want to be at the Pipe It Up table discussing how it went down, and here I am. It's finally here, so I'm so excited to be with you guys. Yeah, me and Kyle were hanging out this weekend. We had a no-speaking clause in terms of the uh, documentary because we wanted it all to be fresh fresh and new talking points for the, for the podcast. Yeah, we had to save it for the pod. So no, no discussions yeah. were allowed. It was off limits. Um, Good for you guys. Here we are. We made it. We made it a couple days, and uh, the time has come. The time has come to discuss two days in september the latest mlw documentary if you have not seen this yet it's a must watch i mean it's just it's a new era of mlw content i think in my eyes would you agree kyle i think so i think it's unlike anything i've ever done Mm -hmm. very 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 proud of it very proud of it so let's just let's just start from the beginning the diamondbacks win the world series wildcats lose again you're heartbroken but how quickly are you then thinking about what you want to do in terms of another doc, and, and why do you want to do another documentary? Yeah, so usually in the springtime, we have that room where a doc is always possible to make. Mm-hmm. I do have, like, over a month, you know, to create something like this. And in the past, we've focused on teams and their journeys to get to the World Series and kind of encompassing their their entire journey from beginning to end. You look at the, the Preds from the beginning of their existence in 2013 to the championship. The Wildcats kind of returning to prominence you know what i mean like the early days how they connect with the modern day mm-hmm. and then last year with the gators but i wanted to put a new spin on it this year because it was the greatest world series we've ever seen and so much went down and instead of focusing on how they all came into the league and um, kind of essentially replicating what i've done in the past mm-hmm. i wanted to just focus in and amplify that world series and dive in closer on on plays that I can afford to do now without um, thinking about a, a, a video time length. If mm-hmm. I were to do a beginning to end, um, you know, here's the Diamondbacks in 2018 or 19, and then here they are now. I mean, the video would just be extremely long um, if I added the entire story beyond this World Series. And also, the Diamondbacks didn't really face that much adversity in 2021 during the season. They won every single series. Mm-hmm. So as a storyteller, yeah. it's really hard to work that into the arc. And so when you just jump right into it in the World Series, I mean, the, the beginning to end is, is, 
it, it just made so much more sense in my mind, and it was something different that I wanted to do. Um, and I'm glad people like it. So far, I've saw so I've seen some pretty good feedback in the comments and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I uh, I definitely challenged myself more than any video before, and I put this on my Instagram story. I was very proud of it. Probably the most proud I've ever been about a a project. Mm -hmm. I feel like all these documentaries age very well in terms of just the numbers that they do. But yeah, we upload them in the off season, and usually they don't do that that great. Although this one, like you said, already has it's already oh, yeah. into five figures. Yeah. But each and every one, I think, is well into six now. The Predators one is north of 300,000. I think that's the most viewed one. But I, I see this one just crushing it. Just <laughs> anyone, anyone who like comes to our, comes to our league and discovers it um, and they stumble upon this, I feel like that just takes your like, fandom to a whole new level. You know yeah. what I mean? Daniel watched the video, yeah. and, he, and the next thing he came up to me and said, he's like, dude, I just want to get out there. I'm like so excited to start the season now after watching that. <laughs> I literally thought the same thing to myself. Really? Like, it, it got me fired up. I, I at the end there, I had some chills. Not gonna lie, watching that it got me really amped. Oh, I so appreciate I can see that. where Dan's coming from. I feel like the season's so crazy though. Like, yeah, when I look back at the MLW season from the off seasons, maybe it's different for you, Kyle. Maybe it's even worse for you. I don't know, but it's like I can't believe like we actually did that. Every year I, I think that like I can't. I can't believe, believe dude. I we can't were believe there like twenty five or twenty six nights out of the summer where like and I was working all day. And we were there. And made it happen. Like it's just crazy to look back on and say, "Wow, we we did this." When you're in it, dude, it's a blur. Like <laughs> in the summer, you don't realize blur. you're in such a whirlwind of a yeah. season. Like, yeah, I can't believe we went to Oklahoma and held a series yeah. there. And I can't believe and that was just one of the 25 like times yeah. we had to go film. I always think about just like 2019 too. Like me, Cratch, and and Dan, and two of our dads flew up to New York and we held the tournament mm -hmm. for 43 teams. Like as a bunch of 20 year olds and 18 year olds. Like how do we? Like we did that. Like. It just doesn't make any sense. But when you're in it in the summer, it's a lot more like practical, I guess. Yeah, but it is. In the off season, you just you, you can't like, really wow. put your mind around you, that. Yeah. I can't. I can't wrap my head around it. Like, I was that I was working from eight to four thirty every day, and then <laughs> twice a week I was going to the meadows after work and being there till nine thirty, and then on the weekend we'd go to. I just I can't I can't even like fathom how that was happening, but it it did, and it's happened for many many years now. Yeah. So it's crazy. And this is just one of the beautiful products that really encompasses, I think, what our league's all about, right? Yes. I uh, hope it hope it ages like fine wine. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like people will be going back to this video, and that was kind of one of my goals. I wanted to really stick with people on that first watch to the point where, yeah, they're gonna go, they're gonna want to go back and watch it, and then like that's how, that's how a lot of our videos get up to that, you know, multi hundred thousand yeah. range is the rewatchability. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Even like not even our content, but like yeah, my favorite YouTube videos. It's never a one and done. You always got to go back uh, and watch it. It's you the see ones you like and favorite. You see and then on your recommended the ones you go back to when you're back to. Yeah, yeah. It's like, when you're feeling down. And this still, yeah, you're feeling down. You want some good content. You go to just a go-to video. Yeah, it's just you can't beat those kinds Absolutely. of things. Um, I liked, I liked. Uh, sorry, Tom. I just I liked your point how um, the Diamondbacks didn't really face that much adversity yeah. like through the 21, 21 season, and that not to say that it was easy by any means, but. I think it would have been doing the fans a disservice if you kind of just chopped up, you know, a 2021 video, showed a bunch of highlights from the Diamondbacks. Like, we kind of – we saw that all year. If, if you were watching MLW at all, you would have you would have seen the dominance from the Diamondbacks. And it was really cool as someone within the league who wasn't able to attend the World Series. Um, you know, I, I had heard and, and obviously watched the videos as they, as they came out just about the intensity. But to get a little bit more, like, behind the scenes of – the actual just fierce competitiveness going on was was really cool from from my perspective. 
yeah, it lets it lets it tells a story from a different through a different lens. You know what I mean? Yeah. The video has drama and it has intensity, but it's very uh, game focused. Whereas this is focused on more of what was happening inside the minds of the of the players during the games. So yeah. I want to ask you. I, go ahead, Jack. No, okay. I didn't know what you were going to ask him, but I I kind of I didn't know what to expect going into the documentary. Um, but I, I part of me thought that I was going to hear a little bit from the Wildcats on the documentary. Yep. Um, so I was just kind of wondering why you decided to only really include the the Diamondbacks perspective throughout throughout the documentary. Right. I uh, I very heavily considered bringing all the Wildcats in and you know pairing them with the D backs, but I wanted this story to be complete completely about the D backs and their story told through their lens. Um, and I didn't want any conflicting viewpoints, and I really wanted the focus and admiration to, to, to go towards Norp, Heath, and Shima. Um, I, we, we asked Ben Wilson to come. Unfortunately, he couldn't, but even if he would, um, I mean, Ben only had a couple at-bats in that series, so, um, and then was, unfortunately wasn't able to make day two of the World Series, too. But I really just wanted the focus to be on those main three and keep it simple. And um, one of my influences for this documentary is a documentary called Four Days in October, and it's about the Red Sox documentary um, where they beat the Yankees in the 2004 ALCS. And in that film, um, Derek Jeter, A-Rod, um, Joe Torre, yeah, I think he's the manager. Um, none of the Yankees guys, they were, none, of the, none, of the, none of them were featured. It was told mm -hmm. entirely through the Red Sox lens, and I didn't want to have people side with Wildcats. I didn't want to have us kind of like conflict or act as a roadblock towards their story and I wanted to wanted it to be completely about them and in the past I've always kind of made little cameos in the documentaries too so I wanted it to be a little different in that way too I didn't want to just pop in for a couple lines I wanted just to be this to be entirely about them and keep it about them so yeah. follow-up question why do you think it was important for me to be in the doc Tommy played a big role in this series <laughs> not what I wanted to hear no he did <laughs> as the umpire I thought it was a very uh, objective he was a very objective voice in this world series and a really unique perspective he was seeing it through no biases and he had a big role in, in terms of just filming and and calling this game um i mean I, I cut out a lot of tommy's like footage and interviews which i did with everybody it's like everybody who films a documentary with me they always say it's funny how much i cut like how many questions i ask him that just won't be appearing in the actual documentary but I asked Tommy mm -hmm. in the in the doc. I was like, "Is this going to be one of your most memorable moments in MLW? Just simply calling this series?" And he said, "Yeah." <laughs> like, not, it was, didn't even have to do with him like playing, but um, I just thought he had a really unique insight into the series. So I thought he would be be a great fourth cast member in this doc. It's just different because like I know what has gone into each team's journey. I know like pretty good about like how each guy is feeling and what it's taken to get him to that point in time and the emotions like. I'm so emotionally connected to each player. Like you hate to see a loser in on either side of that game. It's like it sucked <laughs> yeah. in that sense, but it's also just like such a beautiful thing to see. Like, wow, I cannot believe like the intensity where the league has come to from where it started, and just being able to play a series of this magnitude with, um, with I know a large audience watching at this com competitive level was just I don't know. It's hard to put it into words. But it was it was like it's hard to yeah put the emotions aside and try to call a fair series as well as like commentating it which I'm a lot better at now but like that's yeah. also not there's I think people who have never commentated before assume it's super easy. Yo Tom, there's a growing mm -hmm. fan base it's of not, Tom commentator fans. Oh, me and Jack people love you. I'm 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 definitely <laughs> in that fan base. I literally wrote in my notes after watching the documentary just like kind of giving congrats to Tom. Yeah. Uh, not only his play calling and and commentating, but 
I thought you did a really good job refing. I know we talked about it on the podcast, um, you know, after the World Series had finished about some of the, the controversial calls. And I liked how Tom put that little, or uh, Kyle put that snippet in there of you looking at the camera and just saying, yeah, like, that was funny. Some controversy here at the mouse. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I, I was uh, I was proud of you, Tom. I thought you, you maintained a, as non biased perspective as you could and executed on the calls and the commentary as well. Um, that's not, that's not easy for, for, like you said, people who think that uh, it's kind of just calling what you see. It's so hard to, to think about what you're seeing and then verbalize it in a way that makes sense. Um, so just add a boy for you, Tom. Thanks. Jack. Uh, I, I liked Kyle. I liked how you included him in the yeah. documentary. I don't well. think we have any bad commentators. I mean, even Daniel last year in the world series, 2020, he did a good job. My dad mm-hmm. sometimes steps in for all-star games when we're all playing. He does a really good job. We just have a great little it, slate it really, of commentators going. It really just is the more you do it, though, because I still feel like I do mess up from time to time where I'll say things and that I like I, that I wouldn't, like when I watch it back, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have used that terminology or whatever. It could have been done better. But it just comes with experience. Like, Kyle's done it the most out of anybody, and I think he's, like, our cleanest announcer. Mm-hmm. But um, even, like, from 2018 till now, like, just from watching like videos back, I've noticed like a, a tone in my voice that like sounds better than others when like emotional moments are happening. So like I know how to hit that like yeah. that tone. But this is not about right. me. This is about the documentary. So that's a different podcast. Yeah. Um, but but along that that line of narration, another thing I liked in the documentary was the was the narrator that you had plugged in there, and I recognized that voice. I feel like from yeah. other thirty for thirties or documentaries. But how did you actually like? How did you like do that? I'm I'm kind of just curious. Like, did you just plug it into sort of a, a website? Like, plugged in the words and just spit out his voice? Like, how did that work? Yeah. So a few months before the documentary was made, I I don't know where the idea came from, but I just knew that having a legit narrator would take this documentary to a new level and give it a new feel. Um, so then I looked into the voice um, voice actor game and. Um, narrators and wh- where you could maybe you know hire one and um there's websites out there where you know high level narrators where they have done really high level professional work um if you have the right script and they're down to do it and you have the right budget then they will uh they will accept and i was really fortunate to get jeff reckner who is the narrator in this film and uh, he's done work for CBS, Fox, the NFL. Yeah. He's done promos for like SNL, all this type of stuff. And um, I sent him the script, and I I added a little like description of like kind of like the influence or like uh, like what I'm what we're kind of going for in this in this documentary. And I was I I mentioned like old NFL films type narration, like with John Facenda. Um, that type of feel. And he gets back to me. He's like, John Vicenda is like my voice narration, like <laughs> role model. Like that's what got me into it. Like, like that's my favorite type. So uh, he accepted with under like a, under, under a day. Less than 24 hours. Yeah. yeah less than 24 hours. Wow. I sent him the full script and he got back to me in a really high quality audio. Um, and it, he was just really, really good to work with. And he said he wants to see the, the final product when it comes out. So maybe he's already seen it. Maybe I'll send him the link right now. But um he was he was fantastic. I wrote the script for him too. So if you like the writing in the uh, in the doc, then uh, I really appreciate that because I've never yeah the I've writing never, was awesome. I've never I've never like written for an actual like actor like I that was actually like a mm-hmm. a new thing for me too. But he knocked it out of the park in uh, his actual narration. The the best line in the script was James B. Norp who goes <laughs> by Jimmy. I love that yeah. part because I had <laughs> I had heard like 
So we were considering a couple different candidates for, to be this quote unquote narrator. And um, so I had heard like different chunks of lines from yeah. multiple voices. Tommy we were, was the we only were, person I told in this whole thing. We I wanted were, it to, I wanted it to be a surprise for everybody else. So we were weighing the options in any way. I didn't, but I didn't hear the quote with the James B. Norp thing. So that one caught me off guard, and I just thought it was funny, and it was like cool. I don't know. It just fit like the vibe of the yeah. doc in a weird way. If yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. It totally fit. The writing was good too. You had some good alliteration in the beginning. I said yeah. the same the thing to Kyle. <laughs> I, forget, I forget the exact uh, phrases, but yeah. some good alliteration that I noticed. The script was. You like you you definitely did your job in capturing and and telling a story for sure Thank through you. that script and the narrator the narrator, as you said, took it to a new level, no doubt. Yeah, alliteration. That was a little motif I added. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I enjoyed our high that. school high school English classes are paying off. Look yeah, at that. Exactly. Our, <laughs> our teachers would be proud. Yeah. That's like I honestly think that's the only terminology like grammatic terminology or grammatic ter grammatical term that i know what it means alliteration when you use the same letter over and over again i couldn't yep. think of any other ones yeah that i actually stuck with me but um besides that so the narration was a big standout for me i think when i said like this doc i consider it like in a new era or like in a league of its own compared to the other documentaries i think what stood out for me was also um like the confessional shots as kyle calls them i think that's the professional yep. term mm -hmm. for them. yep so like when people when Jimmy's being interviewed or when Shima's being interviewed, just like the actual camera work there with the backdrop and the angle and the closeness, the contrast, like that was in a different tier compared to the other docs in my opinion. I think you'd agree. Yes. Yeah, and um, if you go back and watch, a little thing that goes a long way is the very first thing I told all four of the guys when they sat down was stare directly into the lens. Don't look past the lens at me. Mm -hmm. I want I want this stock to be different in that you're staring right towards the lens, and it, it's something we haven't done up to this point, and it makes a huge difference. Um, so that was one of the things I looked at. Um, yeah, the coloring of the backdrop was just um, a huge change as well. We made sure it looks like golden brown and then kind of like a neutral feel for Tommy. And then I, in the edit, I add some vignettes and color filters and then mm -hmm. some text of their name on the side. So really paying a lot of attention to that. And, you know, some people may not have noticed, some, be some people may have, but... Uh, I was very, very detail oriented, and every every uh, like every little scene in the doc, it would take me a few days. Like I wanted to make sure it was perfect before I moved on to the next one. And I mean, I I worked a long time in that predominance one, and same with the new kids. But um, I mean, I there were some long nights for this doc. Like I can't like when I told you I would can't, I couldn't wait for this day where I'm talking about the pod, you guys like this like today. Like I truly mean it. Like. It was the most I've ever challenged myself, but I'm just, you know, happy the way it turned out. Yeah, let's talk about that because you've been saying you were challenging yourself, but so I was checking in just periodically on the timeline of the doc and making sure we were going to hit our deadline of uh, what was it, April eighth? April eighth. Yeah, and so I texted Kyle probably like a week before, maybe the weekend before. And I was like, "How's the doc coming along?" And I think he's like in his in its final st in its final stages, like challenging myself more than ever. So I was like. Does that mean he's, like, going back and changing things? Or you just meant, like, as a whole, I've been challenging myself? Yeah, like, as a whole. And just working very slowly to make sure everything is, like, lining up, make sure themes align, make sure audio levels align from beginning to end. Um, and just incorporating new techniques I've never used before in Adobe Premiere Pro. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of new editing features. So, so sound effects mm -hmm. to transitions to big whooshes and synths that hit, or, you know, transitions when I want to move from scene to scene video L filters yeah filters just little tiny things that i haven't really worked with um if you kind of just go out of your own if there's any editors out there if you go out of your comfort zone just research 
tutorials there's there's help out there like if you just take the time to do it it's going to help you so much more in the long run and there's no better way to help there's no way to there's no better way to grow as an editor than to create a documentary because you truly get everything mm -hmm. you're working with highlights you're working with still shots of guys you're working with audio you're working with music you're working with sound effects there's truly no better um way to grow as an editor than a documentary and that's something i really learned last year um so just anything from yeah confessionals to transitions to montages everything um i i probably learned the most i've ever had it like i ever have been in, in the edit this video yeah i mean all this all this time that you've spent on this you know other traditional mlw videos obviously take a long time too but this is this is sort of a, its own beast if you will um in terms of editing so you know if you could just explain for the listeners like why why spend so much time on this one video like why is it why do you think it's so important for mlw to have this this production it's a great question um i think you know if i want mlw to grow to where i want it to go then i'm gonna have to do things that i've never done before and i'm gonna have to create videos that people haven't really seen before and people i mean they probably wouldn't even expect me to go out and get a hollywood caliber narrator and to, to go all in on this wiffle ball world series like the way i did so i wanted to create something where there's a shock factor like that where it's like whoa kyle actually went out and did that like that was a huge point of emphasis for me and um it another huge thing is this it leads right into the season too so i wanted it to be a, a tone setter for the season and like it was a tone setter it was a tone setter i wanted it was absolutely a tone setter, i wanted yeah. it to be tone like set. mlw 2022 like they wow they really keep improving and that's that's something I look for every single year, and me and Tommy, we look for this in every single facet of MLW. It's just tiny tweaks and improvements, um, and that's that's how you grow as a company. That's how you grow as a any professional in any career. Is you just make tiny tweaks from year to year to become better at what you do. And um, yeah, I think this was just a tone setter for the year. Yeah, no, I I, I like that. Um, you gotta always improve, right? If you're if you're not improving you're basically getting worse if you're not if you're not advancing right you're kind of being left behind so yep i i just from watching your documentaries they just they get better and better each year so i can't even i can't wait to see what what the next one will be yeah but, and i've already got ideas for next next year's i'm sure too. you do i'm sure you do <laughs> i know like i i love i love film and and documentaries and I don't watch a lot of like like TV and movies, but the ones that I really love, like I'll go back and watch multiple times. Like my favorite ESPN Thirty for Thirties, or um, yeah. just anything about you know sp dramatizing sport. I love like movies about sport, like Moneyball or Invincible, Coach Carter, Glory Road. I just love romanticizing and and dramatizing sports. Like that's just one of my favorite things. And um, yeah, it's definitely a passion of mine. Just making these little Thirty for Thirty docs. How can you not be romantic about baseball? How can you not be romantic <laughs> about baseball? God, what a great movie. Um, I have a follow-up question to this discussion. And this is not a bad thing. Yeah. Because I think part of developing a business also comes along with personal development. But So we just touched on how it's important for the brand of MLW to make a documentary of this of this caliber and to set the tone for the year. But is there any part of like creating a doc like that or just doing docs in general that's like, relatively selfish to a point it's like wow i'm going to really develop as an editor i'm going to have this like in my portfolio of films that i've made like yeah kind of i mean i feel like that has to be like part of it too i mean yeah it it kind of just comes hand in hand I guess. like when i'm doing a project like that it's kind of like what can i prove to myself that i i haven't proven before like how 
how can I challenge myself and, and grow as a person in creating this project that I know it's going to help MLW additionally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like a hundred percent. Like if there was like, if there's like a short film contest out there right now for the year 2022, I'm going to enter this thing, see where it goes. Like yeah. honestly, I would love to do that and see what people and just the, the public eye think of it. If they have no idea what football is, honestly, I would love to enter honestly, that. We need a fan on this. Yeah. Is there like an, amateur sports documentary film contest yeah this should definitely be, gotta be there has dude. to be There's something out there be. has to be no there but has to be but that's a good question i i really like proving myself proving to myself i can do things that i have the vision of doing mm-hmm. and not proving to other people that's so true like though. what that is i don't know how to word that correctly but um like when i, I I knew if I told you about, like what this documentary would look like, you wouldn't necessarily know what it, 100% what it would look like. Same with Daniel, too. Mm-hmm. But with the narrator and the music and the, the mm-hmm. all the themes I had, like I, I just knew what it looked like. I just wanted to prove myself that I could put it into an actual video like that. So more than anything, I was just honestly more proud of myself for completing it than anything else. This was your sixth doc, too. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Six documentaries now. It's true. You only get better through experience. Yeah. Six docs. And I feel like, too, when you see a final product like that, if you've never edited before especially, um, it's like, how on earth would I <laughs> accomplish something of this magnitude? But, like, do you even, like, watch it then back all the way through and think, like, wow, I actually did this? Because there's so many, it's a culmination of so many hours. Yeah. It, like, actually amounts to this one thing. Like, even, like, editing me, something as simple as a video podcast, it was just, like, splitting up different angles and like, yeah, watching it back smooth, it's like, okay, that was cool. We created a video podcast. But like when you're like editing something like that because it takes so long, it's it's not like you feel like you're like trying to conquer a mountain. It's just like minute by minute. Right. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do have that creep into your mind when you're, you take three days to complete a scene and then you move on to the next one and to the, to the next one, to the next one. And yeah, I mean, as you, as you go through this, you are, you know, watching it from beginning yeah. to end, but yep. you still hope that, all of these flow well together when you get to the very end and mm-hmm. you do that through smooth transitions and you do that through music that have similar feels and i kind of went with like an orchestral hybrid type um alternative rock type feel that really meshed well together and um those are a couple things that really can gel your scenes well together is music and um confessionals that lead into the next thing mm-hmm. so if you look back into you know from game to game or mm-hmm. from a mood, a mood switch in like a game three. Just focus on what the ending line is from like a Jimmy Norp or um, Jeff Reckner, like how he leads into the scene and how he finishes it. Um, those, these are all like little tweaks I've learned over over the years. Like that's how you that's how you can go from when you're editing. Like I really just hope this this flows well together and you're, you're looking larger picture. It's like the little details like that that help you accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Was there was there obviously you know you're you're very proud of this video and although it took a long time, you know, it seems like you had some fun challenging yourself and, and creating the video. Would you say that, you know, that enjoyment of doing that outweighed any of the um, maybe, maybe wounds that were uncovered from that, you know, very, very (laughs) close series. Like I rewatched that and I was like, one of my first thoughts was like, dang, like the Wildcats were super close and like a couple Big mistakes, just you. You know, you guys were yeah. right there. Oh no! Like, this if, if I was, I was kind of putting myself in your shoes. Like, oh man, like if I had to make a forty-minute video about this, like a little bit of me would, you know, no, be no. hurt. No, this is a common misconception. I did not care that we 
to the. I mean, I cared that you we lost do, the World but Series. not when you're making a video like that. No, yeah. One, so one right. of my one of my themes going into this documentary was I wanted to villainize the Wildcats. I wanted. Yeah, to, I like that. Yes. I, I, yeah. So I I previewed it as in comparing us to the Yankees, and mm-hmm. every time Sailor would hit a home run or I would hit a home run, there'd be a big bang, and the, the, like the music would turn dark. Like I really wanted us to be the villain here, and the the D-backs to be the hero. Like I really I th- I really took the storytelling to a new level in that sense. Right. Um, and so. I, I was able to take a step back when editing that and kind of disassociate myself, Kyle from the editor, from Kyle the pitcher. Um, I, I really wanted us to just act as like the, what's the the term, antagonist in this mm-hmm. in this film yeah. to Jimmy Norp and the obstacle they had to they had to face. I mean, they alluded it so many times, like they have the history, they have the experience, and all that type of stuff. Like I really wanted it, that to um, you know be noticeable in the film and. Um, yeah, I was able to just take a step back and kind of uh, allow myself to be that villain in the film, which I thought was pretty kind of pretty kind of cool, you know. Yeah, I found that interesting. Very cool. I made a uh, little like behind the scenes post of like Kyle when he was filming the documentary on the Pipe It Up Instagram, and everyone in the comments <laughs> was like, "Kyle's salty." I'm like, "Whoa, this was not what I was expecting from the fans." Yeah, like, I don't think you guys realize like. I'll tell you right now, it's way better for the league that the Diamondbacks won that World Series yeah, than us. Exactly. I wouldn't be yeah, able to produce, sure. like, like, what would I have made in the documentary this this month I if we won? <laughs> nothing. If you guys think that Kyle... Oh, the Yankees win again. Yeah, the documentary would have sucked. If you guys think that Kyle is sitting there filming a, doc- a professional documentary sulking about a loss in a <laughs> wiffle ball game, I think MLW would have plateaued at about 25,000 subscribers. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that, like, honestly, I... Didn't even think about that once during the series. Like, oh my god, I wish we would have not yeah, thrown that pitch yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how can I make this more cinematic? That's what I was thinking. But once again, that's like I'm talking about how yeah, like announcing and commentating is like crazy because I know everything. Like yeah, watching Kyle in these series is crazy because like oh, he puts in so much time for like making like this league has grown from nothing like to what it is today, largely because of Kyle. So it's it's another factor in my head as I'm as I'm watching things unfold. But overall, just just a great story. Um, I liked how everything came together. As I said before on this pod, um, this the documentary is 100% the most hands-off video for me. Like I, I don't do a thing for the documentary. I show up and do what Kyle tells me to because, it, yes, it could help to like collaborate on that kind of stuff, but he is the one that's dictating the story and going to be editing it. And when you're like, this is, wiffle ball, the games we film normally are sports. It's a sporting event. Whereas, so like the players are kind of dictating the energy and then we can kind of capture it as we want to. Whereas here, the writer is dictating how the story is told. So I don't really want to be questioning, like for example, um, when he first told me like, yeah, this year we're going to be looking straight into the lens. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting because most of the documentaries that I've seen are like filmed from the side. And you're looking at who's interviewing you. But once again, when I'm watching the video, like I couldn't imagine it any other way. Yeah, exactly. So I, just, yeah. I, did, I didn't even question it. I wasn't even up, wasn't even for discussion. I was like, okay, whatever Kyle says goes here. <laughs> so that was just my, like this is I do not do anything for the doc. It's all kind. You kept well, the, you kept the guys loose on the couch. I did keep them loose on the couch. <laughs> oh, actually, we we I we averted an audio bug. Remember that? Uh, on Shima. Oh yeah, Tommy. Tommy. He. he uh, I saved us about fifteen minutes of time. We would have had to refilm Shima's part. Oh yeah, there was like something wrong with the audio, and Tommy's like, "Hey, you probably have that plugged in." I was like, "Hey, Tom, you're right." So I plugged <laughs> it back in. We didn't have the, we didn't have the mic plugged into. Because we were unplugging. Yeah, it was it. like the first question for Shima. Yeah, we were unplugging the mic for every participant and then checking the audio to make sure it sounded good the whole way through. So when Shima sat down, <laughs> he was the last interview. The like the cord that connects to the camera from the microphone was dangling at the side. And I was like, "Wait, hold up, guys! Isn't that supposed to be plugged in?" 
yeah. yeah. So we had to like, re-ask Shima's like first question. That was clutch. That was my only so, contribution. So how long does it actually like? I'm assuming you get all the quotes from from each player like in one sitting Correct. from them, so you don't have to move them around a bunch. But like, how? How long for like each guy was it in yeah. terms of like audio clips? Yeah. So I write, I wrote about four page, four four pages of questions for all these guys, and mm-hmm. I w- we went Norp first, then Heath second, and then Shima third. Norp had the most, Heath the second most, and Shima third. Um, I want to say Norp took just over an hour, and Heath probably like forty five minutes, and then Shima about thirty. And it was kind of similar to like in the past. Like the main person is is getting the most of the questions, who I know is going to appear right. most, most in the documentary. Um, so I think of like Alec in 2019. I had to have interviewed him for like an hour and a half. And um, yeah, there's a lot of answers and there's a lot of questions that don't get included in the video. Once again, I always say this, but um, sometimes it, it just doesn't go along with the story. It just doesn't fit well in the scenes. Like I don't know, but um, I, but yeah, it it's uh, it was definitely it's it's definitely a long shoot day when we when we film these. Talk about the yes or no thing. Oh, yeah. Also, if you're creating a documentary out there, do not ask your participants yes or no questions. Ask them open-ended questions. They don't. You don't want them to answer with a yes or a no because even I, to start you, with that. Yeah, you don't. Uh, yeah, you don't want them to start with that because you you don't want to include the the director's question in the video. So saying something like "Norp, take me into your mindset here in game three when you needed to get Kyle out." Then Norp's gonna go on and be like, "All right, so right here, I, I needed mm-hmm. to get throw a slider so I can get Kyle or something like that." Like, you don't want to be like, "So were you focused on throwing a riser versus Kyle?" And then he starts with, "Yeah, so I was." Like, it just <laughs> doesn't make sense because then you'd have to include my question in the video, mm-hmm. which you don't want. It just throws right. off the vibe. So that was another thing I told every single guy. I was like, um, "I'm not gonna ask you any yes or no questions. It's gonna be a lot of open-ended stuff." And when you do that, it allows them to explore their own mind and their own thoughts during that series and during the plays that they're they're about to talk about. Yeah, you get better responses too. Obviously, the like, you know, you talked about maybe a little bit of difference in in the amount of time of clips you had. And obviously, Jimmy was was the main, you know, the face of the Diamondbacks. But I thought that you did a really good job at um, ca- uh, balancing out those um, mm-hmm. those testimonial yep. or uh, whatever the word was you used for those scenes. Confessionals. Um, confessionals. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Confessionals. Um, which word. which I thought which I thought did a good job of representing like how how much of a of an actual team like a cohesive team yep. the Diamondbacks were this year you know through their defense and just their clutch like pitching and everything like was that something that you were consciously thinking about while editing the video like trying to balance so it wasn't like all Norp or like you know yes just Norp and and uh, and Heath one hundred percent I could have included this entire doc with just Norp quotes but um. As you're going along, you really have to be like, oh, I haven't really included a Heath quote here in a while. I got to put him here or Shima in that in that in that uh, same matter too. Um, as you're as you're going along, you really try to make sure that everybody is equally as possible included. With Norp probably being a little bit more, just because he, you know, he was making decisions. So I hmm. questions that I wouldn't have for Shima or Heath. When Norp's ultimately the one making managerial decisions, he's going to have more to say, and he'll be included more in the video. But um, you, that's the last thing you want is for somebody to forget somebody's even in the video and then they show up at the end with some quote at like a huge climax of a point in the video and it's like where were you the last 10 minutes of this video no like yeah. you, need, you need to even if they weren't vital in big moments like just to get their thoughts and to be an objective view on you know various plays or various points in the game you need you need to include them um, and you can't go you can't go five minutes without 
you know, including a Shima or including a Heath. So you have to keep them relevant. And you have to, even if it's for just five seconds or something like that, just include them in it and, and, uh, and keep it fresh. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I was going to ask you, Kyle, um, this year, we've done it in the past too, like especially between you and I, and like we even last year, I think we pushed the date back, but we kind of set the hard date this year early, like in January, yeah. we knew that the doc was going to go up on April 8th. Yeah. So did that cause additional stress or anxiety or not yes. really? It did. I was I was crumbling. I hate I hate how I do this for myself, but I set deadlines. But it ultimately works. You have to. You yeah. have to. It works for the best. Um, but I was as I was getting to that last week, I was like, I really wish I would just have one more week, because I remember I was like, I knew I was like ten or fifteen days away, and I knew to complete it on time, I needed to work every single day for that 10 days in a row whereas opposed to you know if I set a, another week back where it would upload on this Friday um, I could take maybe a day to think about how I could approach the next scene but in retrospect it actually kind of helps when you're so locked into it for three weeks straight in the f- in the the final stretch of this video to the point where that's the only thing you think about mm-hmm. and you wake up and that's the first thing on your mind and you you set your whole day around it really like like I'll eat dinner and then I'll go. I'll get right on the computer and I'll be editing from about 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. and then I wake up around 11 a.m. or noon the next day and it's the next. It's this very next thing. Like I ate like one big meal a day for the, like three weeks and uh, the the rest of it was just snacks. Like it's a really miserable like lifestyle. Honestly, don't recommend it. And yeah, I couldn't. It's the only time. It's really the only time of year where I when I'm doing that like very unhealthy type of like just waking up super late and going to bed super late. But I always tell Tommy this, like those, those dark, scary hours are the <laughs> point where there's no distractions whatsoever. Guys, there's no mailman. Just- there's no, there's nobody cutting the grass. There's no birds chirping. There's nobody in your house doing anything like from midnight to 5am. That's when my creative juices are flowing. And for about three weeks, I was miserable yet very creative. <laughs> and, um, I could not be more. It was it was very very challenging to balance that. So so you think that like you operate the best in those hours? Because I was going to ask you like, are you just not a morning person? Like, why don't you just flip that schedule around and wake up at like four a.m. and then go to bed earlier? It's just too many distractions. So like, whether that's business emails or stuff happening on social media or people ringing on the doorbell delivering packages to airplanes flying over like ev- i could write their dogs barking a hundred things yeah. when it's when it's the midnight to 5 a.m hours then i mean there's nothing happening it's you and that computer and your ideas and that is it and what's funny is i uh i, I like watch uh interviews uh about like netflix editors and movie editors and the very first thing is not the very first thing, but people always ask them, like, when do they usually edit these? Like, is it during the day or is it in the late nights? And a lot of them will say the late nights. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's a common thing amongst creatives, or at least for video editors, to do it when there's limited, limited distractions. And that just so happens to be in the very late night. 
Jack, this is why I've been harping on the managers that says if your players le- need literally everything, just text me. Because then if I need yeah. to, I can then text Kyle. Yeah. But if we can yeah. if we can divert 50% of the texts from Kyle to me, then that... Because, like, yeah, okay, it's like, oh, Kyle can't answer a text, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, yes, he can answer a text. But then imagine he's editing, answers a text, and then that leads to him going on Twitter, Instagram. Like, you go through the yeah. cycle. You go yeah. through the cycle. So that's yeah. also a thing. Like, I also have to plan out, like, our social media posts for the week. So I always yeah. try to get one Instagram post out a week. Usually a try day, to get a TikTok. I mean, yeah, a day. <laughs> one one TikTok a week at least, and then Twitter also, and just all the above. I mean, it's it's definitely a challenge. But as I get into the season videos, I told Tommy this too. But in the season videos, there's a beginning and there's an there's an end. There's game one, right. two, and three, and I have the box score in front of me. I know where the video is going to start and I know where it's going to end. And yes, I do put creative spins on it in terms of like stopping the music at at big points and and stuff like that, and um you know, switching camera angles to the, to where I like them. But with the, with the documentary, it's, it's so open-ended and I can really take it in any direction and mm-hmm. I can exploit and prolong different moments, how I see fit and I can slow it down and I can speed it up and I can amplify different moments I want to. Whereas in the yeah. season videos and even this draft video I'm about to up, uh, upload this week, there's, there's picks one through eight. There's a beginning and the end. I just have to get through it. But that's not right. the same for the documentary. Like you can really just go go your own way with it and and expand on how much you want to expand. Well, plus like in like a MLW series, like no one's gonna want like video filters and text running across the screen during yep. a game. Like it's very cut and dry yep. to an extent. Yes, to an extent. Whereas a documentary is not quite the same. It's more of a it's more of a production and like I said, it's more of a storytelling aspect. Yep. Um, but I was getting concerned. Not concerned, but. Kyle texted me like on Monday or Tuesday, like the day before. He's like, "All right, the vids in its final stage is about done, and I'm gonna render it." I'm like, "Okay, sick. Like I'm feeling good." Oh yeah. Well, then the next morning, I get up to go to the gym, and I'm leaving my house at six ten, and Kyle's bedroom light's still on. I'm like, "Dude, what are you doing?" <laughs> I was like, "Wait, is the video not done?" So I was confused. But then the next day, he's like, "All right, it's rendered. It's done." I was like, "Okay, nice." Okay, so I I was confused. So on the so last week, right? How I uploaded on Friday. Um, Monday was like my big day where I like I completed like all of the Shima hit and reflection and credits all in like one sitting. And that took me pretty much the entire night. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday I kind of tweaked the the final scenes a little bit and maybe went back and kind of tweaked some text. And then Wednesday I watched it back and I rendered to make sure it all flowed well together and like every all the audio sounded like it like didn't clip out and it was like very normalized. Um and I think I rendered it Wednesday and then watched it and made sure it looked good. And then Thursday, I uploaded it to YouTube and then made sure it looked good on YouTube's platform and my phone and all that type of stuff. And then I scheduled it for Friday. And then Friday, I, I always make sure the video is set before the upload day because that's the last thing you want in terms of stress levels is to, fina- yeah. is Some, to finali- finalize it on upload sometimes day. Sometimes though, mid-season, you have to. <laughs> what was power, it? Power outages. Jack, your uh, Magic Diamondbacks video, I was that was like cutting it close. I, I probably <laughs> finished <laughs> I finished that probably like eleven AM or something or noon on the Friday. Oh. That was the latest I had all of last season, but I think it's cause we played the World Series like that day before or something like that, so it really pushed back my upload schedule. But yeah, I uh I th- I think I made that change last year. It's like just save yourself some some stress levels and yeah. finish it on the Thursday at the latest. So this, I mean, obviously, like doing a documentary like this is is could be more stressful maybe than than some of those other videos because, like you said, it's so open ended and you could go so many different ways. Um, 
but how did you how did you really nail down like which big moments because you kind of mentioned how you you amplified like the big moments Mm -hmm. and there were a lot to choose from in the in the world series so how like what was your thought process in um you know which ones you ended up going with yeah so a couple things um you know just coming into this edit i already knew what the biggest ones were because i was in the series i Mm -hmm. knew when mm-hmm. I when I felt most anxious and I knew the turning points of the series just firsthand being in that series, so that was kind of like uh, going into it. I already it was a predetermined thing. So, you know the the Norp home run, the you know the should have walked me home run. The uh, yeah. what, what else? What else? The uh, just me the, running r- me running into the banner, Norp's walk off, and then Shima's yeah. hit. I mean, there's a bunch of them. And then you know some of the more mundane moments were just us kind of hitting a bunch of home runs against the D-backs in Game Four. So then you can kind of put a, a, a faster montage on that. And then Game One too, it was just it wasn't really eventful for them. It was just kind of us hitting off Norp, and that was pretty much the game. Um, right. But then also, I uh, I I love to edit to my music selections, and your songs can create boundaries for you to work within. So if there's like a big rise and a big climax and then a big like somber period, then I know then I can work to the song and I can edit towards that. And that helps me a lot in just terms of of uh, creating an outline of the, the scene. It's really just uh, the, the, the selections I make and the music selections uh, I, I go with. And uh, that, that really helps me a lot. And then from there, then you can... Then you, can yeah. you, you know when to have the big hits and you, you know when to have the, the guys... You know, talk about their mindsets. You know, before and after that moment, and then after that, you can add sound effects and graphics and all that kind of stuff. But I am, uh, I'm a big believer in editing to music as opposed yeah. to creating the scene and adding a score after that. I was, I was gonna say, for my very limited editing, which is like one percent compared to Kyle's ninety nine percent. We're talking time spent and hours spent. I would almost say, for me, like it's almost impossible to try to create something and then add music to it. No. You have to add it to music. You have, yeah. to ha- you have to have a vibe in mind. Like you got to know what you want, yeah. then pick the song, and then lay down your like, yeah. tracks. Yeah, yeah. Especially for something like a documentary like this or like a very cinematic or highlight piece. If it's like, if it's like mundane television or like a slow scene in like a TV show or movie, then you can just put any type of score in the background. But where you need something to hit when it needs to hit, then you have to edit towards the the song you choose, if that makes sense, not the other way yeah. around. You don't want to you don't want to edit your scene and then you add your song and then there's a huge hit when yeah, like Norp's trying to talk about his mindset heading that. into the bat. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, so you know, with that though, working within the confines of a song like that or a a, a score with a rise and an end, it kind of forces you sometimes to cut out. Uh, good confessionals and, and good pieces of audio that you might want to include. So sometimes you actually have to expand the song I was just say, a little yeah, you bit. You can manipulate the audio. So I do manipulate the audio. Mm-hmm. So like if I go from like the volume is really high to really low, when that volume is really low, I'll trim the song yep. and I'll expand it. And you wouldn't even notice because it's already low. And then as it picks back up, it's going to hit right when I want it to hit because I I adjusted the scale and the beginning and end while, a little while bit, the yeah. music was really low. So little things like that happen, but... Um. Yeah, music and the, music and its boundaries helped me a lot in editing. This was a fire pod. Very cool. I could keep going. I could keep going. I mean, favorite pod. I I got I got another question. Yep. Um. What? So, you know, typically the the documentaries kind of follow the the team that ends up being crowned the champion mm-hmm. at the end of the at the end of the year, but um what's what's maybe one story 
that's that's happened in MLW that MLW that um, you would like to tell through a documentary or you think would be powerful if you if you told it through a documentary? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to go out on a limb and say this is what we're doing for next year because every every you know things change and there could be, there could be something that is really exciting that happens in the league this year that I'll for sure want to make a document documentary about next spring, but. I really like the idea of singling in on one person and going in depth on their wiffle ball career and just life in general. Um, there's a few guys in my mind that I could do that with, but there's one particular that in the future I think would be really, really interesting, and I know how, how that would kind of look already. Um, but um, it's something we haven't done before. We've always done a team or a series, but um, fo focusing on one guy and the ins and outs of his life and the adversity he's had to face and stuff like that, I think it would be really interesting and it would be a new flavor for this channel. And I'm not saying that's going to be next year or the year after that, but eventually I think that would be something that would be really cool. As well as just the very early days of MLW. Yeah, I was going to say so that. So like bringing in like the mm -hmm. Central Cardinals like that or the Nighthawks or just me, Tommy, Dan, Rachel, and Brennan, the original yeah, five. Say, like, the original five. The original five. Like even if it's not like 35 minutes, even like a shorter one or something like that, just telling the story of how this thing started. Um, I think would be really cool, especially as we get bigger and bigger, and people um, forget about that story or just don't, you know, flat out know about that story. Right. Um, I think that would be really impactful too. Oh, I, I think an OG five doc would be would be <laughs> sick, just to remind the people who have sort of you know joined in the past couple of years. Yeah. Really, how how this this whole thing got kicked off? What I think we, that'd be really cool. Yeah, we ju we just get the original five back together. We like reenact like the derby that started <laughs> it all. <laughs> With like our garden fence, that'd be funny. It was a long time ago, man. A, a lifetime ago, literally over half my yeah. life ago. Yeah, I could barely even remember it. It's I, like a legend. It's like a mythology thing. It's once again, yeah. When you're in the moment, it's just like you look back on things and everything you've done in your life culminates to where you are now, and that's one of the things. Like, I guess, I guess we're here now, and it makes sense. But I don't know, crazy. Uh, I have one final question to wrap this up. Yep. I just thought of it on the fly, actually. If there were ever to be a movie, a full-scale oh. movie on MLW, like hour and a half to two hours, would you have to direct it and produce it and edit it, or would you trust an outside source to do it? <laughs> that's a good question. I'd probably work alongside somebody and be a co-director with somebody that's, that's like a good answer. had a Hollywood what background. What an answer. What yeah. an answer. Wrap it up. Yeah, that's a great one. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Now, the real, the real question is, who would you guys want to be casted at like who who would play you guys in a oh. MLW movie well i was thinking it'd be like a, it'd be like mm. a documentary type movie like oh I, th I thought you were saying like there's a movie oh, about MLW. who would play me uh that's interesting people have said tom holland yeah i'm not even kidding tom <laughs> holland <laughs> jack could definitely be tom jack, holland. Dude, jack could be jonah hill bro <laughs> Zach, <laughs> Zach Galifianakis fit Jonah Hill. I'll take fit Jonah, fit Jonah Hill. Yeah, with the beard. We would need like, Zach, Zach we need like younger actors though. Now, like we would yeah. need people that aren't even yeah. like out and about yet. We need to play kids. Could yeah. you imagine that movie, dude? Oh, what would the movie even be about though? Just about uh, neighborhood kids making a business out of a backyard game. Kyle, we should just move to a bungalow in Jamaica <laughs> and just make a movie. Yeah, not even about do. MLW. Yeah. Just make a movie. Tommy, you, you, you call the shots. I'll help you film. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some pointers. Let's just make a we random should, movie. We literally, yeah, we just take a year off of MLW to shoot a movie about MLW. That's the problem. There's so much fun things you can do in life, especially like at our age. Yeah. When you're ripe in your 20s. Maybe I'll like, do that gotta, when I'm like retired. I know, like that's the problem. 50, we gotta just, 65. I mean, you gotta just, yeah, it's hard to figure out when what to do when. I just watched a video clip about that, actually. Who would play me, by the way? Right now, I don't know. I have to have someone with red hair. The kid from Harry Potter? 
Oh, I don't, he's, he's I don't British, remember though. that actor's name. Hang on. I'm picturing someone in my head. I don't have um, a, I don't think I have a doppelganger. No, oh, he's not. He wouldn't word. be your that's he word. wouldn't be your doppelganger, but uh Andrew Santino, do you guys know who that is? Oh, I I know that name actually. I don't know who that is. I know that name. This guy, if you guys can see my screen. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, he can play too old. <laughs> the only red He's too actor. old, but like, yeah. yeah. I need a kid. Yeah, we need kids, Jack. Need Whoever kids. played Fregly in Diary of a Wimpy Kid, he can play me. Fregly. <laughs> <laughs> what a movie. What a film. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're getting off track, but I don't want to blemish this pod. This is an excellent pod. Thank you. And yeah. uh, I, I love really enjoy it. And once again, Thank I, you. I looked. Thank you. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I looked forward to sitting in this chair and talking about it because you need to be done. I was in rock bottom mentally just oh, trying to no. put this doc together. There were some long nights, and I was just. Very happy to complete it and see the good feedback from it. Well, you can rest easy now, good no, sir. No rest, <laughs> no rest, Jack. We can rest in December. <laughs> yeah, we we never rest. <laughs> we can't afford it. We can't afford to rest. Now we're too. We're too. Uh, now's the time, Jack. I found some sleep though. Got to strike when the iron's hot. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah. get some sleep. I'll I try. prioritize sleep, sleep, and I'm I have a different circadian I, rhythm than Kyle. I get sleep. It's just not on the same schedule as you guys. Yeah, that's true. I mean. <laughs> As long as you're sleeping, I guess. But no, yeah, I got. I definitely have to write my. I'm too far on the other side of the spectrum, though. I go to bed too early, but I'm gonna try to fix that this year a no, little bit. Before the season gets around, I need to correct my sleep schedule for sure. Yeah, but what if it what if it affects editing in a negative no, manner? No, no, it won't. I I I made that a rule for myself last year. I was like, I can't have any really more late nights. Like, what's, a, what's like late for you? Like five a.m., six a.m. I'll be like guaranteed to stay up till at least like two, two or three. But, but once like you get past once you get past three, then that's scary. Dude, I've said it before. I just can't like in in college, bro. Like on on a weekend, for example, I'd get up early, study from like ten to three p.m. After that, it's just a wash. I was just, <laughs> just not focused after that. No, it's not not the same. But like studying, yeah, I I was never studying late at night. Never. I'd have friends like, yeah, I can't go out. I'm studying. I'm like, dude, I would never study that late. <laughs> and they were in much easier majors than I was. But I would just prior- get my I would have my priorities straight. I'd get it done first. Not because I wanted to like get it out of the way, but just because I was never never as productive late at night. The, the exams yeah. that I had to study for late at night were uh, ne- never went well for me. But one thing that did go well was this documentary for sure. So if you guys have not checked it out yet, two days in September on YouTube. Shout out from the rooftops. Phenomenal film. Um, congratulations, Kyle, on a great final product. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. And uh, as I posted a story on the gram, guys, if you saw more behind the scenes content coming, to pipe it up on IG. So give us a follow at Pipe It Up MLW, and be sure to tune in this Friday on YouTube for the 2022 MLW Draft. We'll catch you fellas next week. Thanks.